0: Are you ready to head down the path to an abundant retirement? We're tackling the topics of the mind of the modern retiree, here on Navigating an Abundant Retirement Radio. And now, your host, Carol Dewey. Welcome back to Navigating an Abundant Retirement Radio. I am your host, Carol Dewey, and this week we're going to try to have a little bit of fun here today as we talk about artificial intelligence. It's been a broad topic in the markets right now. Obviously, if you own artificial intelligence stocks, you're pretty happy. And if you don't, you're kind of like, why don't I? So from that perspective, I want to walk you through just what artificial intelligence is, how our money managers are looking at it, and what they're paying attention to in the markets right now. So with that said, let's get started. I'll start with just what it is. It is the study and development of computer systems that can copy intelligent human behavior. That sounds like something AI actually wrote. What it really is, is it's computer science with large data sets to equal problem solving. I mean, that's really what they're trying to do. They're using these large data sets and computer technology to make inferences about what's going on. So what is it used for? At the start of it, what they're going to do is they're going to start to train an algorithm. And what that involves, and we'll get into this in a little bit, how about how they do that in different ways, but they're going to use pretty large amounts of data to really train these by having it have the ability to make the algorithm have that problem-solving ability. And so within that training and those large data sets, It's going to start to recognize different patterns and realize what that next output should be. And we'll get into how the future of that evolution will take place. But then also, we're not necessarily at the point yet where it's going to be able to make predictions necessarily, because right now we're kind of in the, I want to call it, nascent stage, but we are at a relatively early stage or early process of what AI really is or what it can do going forward. We're in the building block stage, and we'll see where it goes in the future, but we're starting that process. AI has actually been around for a pretty long time. The concept of it started back in the early, oh, 1900s, so like 1950s, 1960s, was really the initial concept. We've heard about it along the way, but we really haven't seen it become this massive wave of information that we've seen in the last six months or so. There are a number of types of AI, but the two most common are weak or narrow AI and strong or general AI. You may start to hear people talking about weak AI versus strong AI, but truly there isn't It's not a weak AI. So I like to refer to it as more narrow AI. And what that means is that narrow AI is tasked with the process of performing a specific task. And so the real use case here and the most popular is Apple's Siri and Amazon's Alexa. The whole process of narrow AI is having a singular output based on different data sets that it's been trained on. And so it's not making predictions. It's not trying to figure out what is coming next. With narrow AI, it's just analyzing the past data and saying, here are some of the different outputs that can happen and gives you one singular answer. Another popular one uh, is like playing chess, right? So when you play against the AI, it's basically analyzing the past moves that you've done. It's not predicting moves that you're going to do, it's just taking that past data saying here's what next move is going to be. The next form of AI is that strong or general AI, and this one is more of a theory at this point still. So the whole idea between artificial intelligence, or AGI, I should say artificial general intelligence or AGI is the idea that the algorithm will be able to have a thought process and have a similar capacity to a human brain. And then you get a little bit further down into the theory, even further, which is artificial strokes or artificial superintelligence, what they call ASI. And this is the ability for the algorithm to be even more powerful, even more thoughtful than a human could be. That's the quote-unquote Skynet, right? How I break this down is that the weak or narrow AI is a way of answering your questions. It's using past data and the information we feed it so it can feed us, feed it back to us. Whereas strong or general AI is going to skip that step and make inferences about the future based upon what we're doing or based upon what that data set is telling us. From the perspective of the ones you've probably heard of, such as ChatGPT, which is owned by Microsoft, and BARD, which is owned by Alphabet or Google, they kind of sit in the middle right now. They're trying to make some inferences based upon you feed it intelligence and then it feeds it back to you, something that's not historical but maybe predictive of the future, and that's where it's kind of trying to fit right now. That's why it's kind of starting to take hold about what are the applications. But now the application set is wide open because you can make inferences about anything. We're in the early stages of this process, but this is kind of where things are now. I think as AI continues to evolve, they're going to be more avenues or more structures of AI. Chat GPT, it again sits in the middle. It's generative AI, which is a new kind of avenue that AI has been moving to. But again, it sits in the middle of the two goals. Now I'd like to talk about training AI. Humans are still trying to do things to get us further ahead in this aspect. There's a number of categories with this, but there's kind of three key categories that I want to discuss. They are supervised, semi-supervised, and unsupervised. With supervised learning, they're using labeled data sets. When you're going to train the algorithm, you're saying, here are the data items that I want it to be trained on, and it will make, from a narrow perspective, that will give you your answer based on those labeled items. And so there's a lot of human involvement with this because they're setting the boundaries of what they're training that algorithm to do. When you get into the semi-supervised, there's going to be a little bit more wiggle room for the algorithm to make inferences on the data that you're feeding it. You're still using labeled data sets, but you also may feed the algorithm a few unlabeled data sets to allow it to kind of understand or start to begin that process of making that inference. And then you get into the unsupervised, where there really isn't any human interaction. You feed it any data that you want. The algorithm can actually go and pull other data sets that are not labeled for it to use. And that's really where you get into this process of building those building blocks to become that general AI or strong AI, a.k.a. Skynet. The way I read this is right now we're still in very much human interaction. We're setting the boundaries. We're setting the parameters. We're setting the data sets for it to use. It's making some inferences on this and using that to kind of extrapolate some other things, right? And oh, I'm trying to understand this problem. Here's the big data set I want you to use to solve that problem. Go from there. That's where we are right now. We're certainly nowhere near that component of the Skynet phenomenon, where it's absolutely on its own, no parameters, doing whatever it wants to do. We're nowhere near that one. When you start to think of ChatGPT or BARD, there's a lot of conversation within the news around, well, is this going to be taking over resistance? Is this Skynet? And really, the way that they're training BARD and ChatGPT is really in the semi-supervised stage. So they're feeding it and labeled it specific data items or putting parameters around it. Maybe there are some unlabeled items that are in there, but generally speaking, most of those items that they're feeding it or training it on are the labeled datasets. I'd also like to talk about some use cases as well, just simply because there's a lot listed here. What can we use it for? Customer experience, supply chain, human resources, fraud detection, knowledge creation, research and development, predictive and analytics, real-time operations, customer services, risk management and analytics, customer insight, maybe pricing and promotion. That's some, but there's probably a lot that I didn't even mention that are going to be used in the future. That's why people are paying a ton of attention to this right now, is basically the use cases are unlimited. Think about the internet back in the day. No one really knew what to do with it. It was like, oh, well, we can kind of connect. We can talk to each other from different countries. That's kind of cool. And then the applications just kept kind of layering on top of each other. And we got more and more and more and more. And pretty soon it became ubiquitous. That's what the use cases are for AI right now. There's not an application you could not fit this into right now, even theoretically. And so that's why people are so excited about it. How does this make business better? How does this make decision-making better? How does this make anything better? For example, drug labs and these kind of things, can they infer things that we just never could do before? Because it has significantly more capacity than the human brain even does, and so that's where the application comes into play. And that's why I show a, a broad use case here, but really the use cases are whatever you want it to be right now. It's just answering questions. That's really all AI is kind of doing is answering questions that we feed it, but the applications as they come about, I think will be much more broad than, than in the future. So from a financial advisor's perspective, the question is, how do we invest in this? What's going on? Who's benefiting? Who's hurting? That's what we want to pay attention to. Who are some of the beneficiaries so far? There's a number of companies that you can invest in, whether it's directly in AI or maybe a component of their company is AI-focused. So here I have C3 AI. Obviously, they're all in on AI, and you can see it. They're, AI is in their name, and it's almost a 250% increase just this year alone. So that's really seeing the initial drive of the hunger for the investment community to invest within the artificial intelligence landscape. And then you get into the names that we've been hearing about in the news, like NVIDIA, Broadcam, AMD, these types of names. NVIDIA is up over 170% this year. But these are more the component or equipment manufacturers, right? So they produce the GPUs that go into the computer systems to be able to compute the amount of computing power that is needed for these types of systems. But then you also have other companies that are much bigger, like Microsoft and Google. Their business isn't solely focused on AI. They have a much broader landscape. But they do benefit because they are investing in it. They are working on the processes they have. They have use cases already out there in the universe. And so, you know, they're benefiting as well. There are a number of different ways that we can invest within the AI landscape. It doesn't have to be a direct approach. We can take a more subdued approach by investing in a more diversified company if we don't want to take on that full risk. The biggest thing that I see, too, from especially Alphabet, Microsoft, and probably Meta in there as well, what are the other things they have is data. As they have been learning about us for a long period of time, we've been feeding them information via the searches that we do on our Facebook, Instagram postings, and all of that. We've just been feeding them and feeding them information. So they have incredibly large data sets. And they're the beneficiaries of that because they house all that data that AI is going to use. And so the other big thing that I've seen as a little bit different here than maybe internet phase was the incumbents, actually, right now are considered kind of the beneficiaries. If you think about the internet phase, it was these new companies coming up to take the business of the old docs, right? Right. Well, here you have Alphabet, Microsoft, they've been around. They're amongst the largest companies in the world. And they've been actually the ones that have been significantly benefiting from this so far. And why I say so far is, in my opinion, I think we're just at the start of the new companies coming as a result of this. We haven't even seen that, as obviously the AI component is up 250% simply because it has AI in the name. I would say a lot of people don't know exactly what they do, but they know it's artificial intelligence focused, right? That's what we're going to see more of going forward, is that new companies that are doing application services around this, I think that's a big wave in the future, and we haven't even started that process. We do have portfolios currently that people can invest in within the different nuances of AI technology. When we think of the digital discovery, this is a perfect opportunity for the digital discovery to invest in AI. But the challenging part right now is trying to find an ETF that's solely focused on AI, because there aren't enough public companies that are available to make up those ETFs right now. So you get a lot of mixture of like AI robotics and that kind of thing. Yet as discussed, incumbents are definitely winning But I think there is going to be a wave coming up because we just don't have the availability of public companies to invest in right now. I think that's absolutely coming, and that was the way of the invention of the Internet. All of a sudden, Pets.com and all the other things that came about because of the opportunity that was presented for them. Now, some of them are going to be very successful and be the next Googles and Amazons of the world. A lot more of them are going to flame out or get bought out And we'll never hear from them five years after their launch. That's the kind of thing that's probably coming as a result of this. And so we're going to focus our portfolios around the things that we think will benefit from it. We have a couple of portfolios that have large waves of Amazon and Microsoft and NVIDIA. There are pieces in those portfolios that we're going to have, but we're not going to have a dedicated exposure to this because, again, that ebb and flow, the hype cycle will go fairly high, and then all of a sudden it will crash down. We need to pay attention to who we think are the long-term beneficiaries, and I think that'll be the timeline across these portfolios. I think the other thing to think about here is I get a lot of questions on, have we missed out? Because you saw C3 AI was up 250% and NVIDIA up 170%. I don't think we've necessarily missed out. There is a potential that there's some that will pull forward in performance on, on some of these names. When you start to take a look at the broader universe of who may benefit, maybe it's further up the supply chain, or maybe it's who uses it down the supply chain, it just depends. But these are the portfolios that we can take advantage of versus just looking at the names that have been the sole beneficiaries so far. I don't think the AI wave is by any stretch of the imagination done. Some of those companies may take a pause. Some of those companies may absolutely revert back because now they're going to be considered beneficiaries. And now there's a threat of the next company that's coming along. These are the kinds of things we'll continue to monitor from our portfolios to kind of say, where are those waves changing, even as this landscape continues to take hold? In summary, from our perspective, AI is not new. It's been around for a while. But this is the secondary wave where we think there'll be massive amounts of penetration as a result of chat GPT and Bard starting processes of this. I don't think that they're the ending processes of it. I think Microsoft, Google, Amazon, these companies do have a lead in that space just simply because they have large data sets. And on that note, one company that people really haven't talked about, they have a ton of data, they have the capabilities, and they already have Siri, is Apple. That's another name that you can continue to watch as well that hasn't necessarily mentioned AI in any of their press releases lately. The number of use cases, frankly, right now, we just don't know. We don't have any idea where this is going from a long-term perspective. And I would say anybody that tells you that they know exactly, that is lying. For the most part, we need to monitor and pay attention. This is the start of the process. We'll see where it ends up. And then again, we do have exposure to AI already. We're going to have portfolios that are probably going to be more wedded towards taking advantage of those opportunities. We mentioned them before and bottom line, We have to understand who or what companies actually benefits from AI and where it actually fits for us overall. Well, that's all I've got planned for you this week. Until next time, remember that Navigating Your Abundant Retirement starts today. I'd like to encourage you to continue our journey of enlightenment and education by subscribing to our podcast and downloading the show. See you next time. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes as a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of returns are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. Carol Dewey is an investment advisor representative of Perpetual Wealth Financial, a Florida-registered investment advisor firm.